just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Do Go On. I am a special boy, Dave Warnicky, and I'm here with my special friends, Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello, special team. Hello, special boy. Hey, I feel special. I hope you do. Why is this special? Well, we're doing a a very special episode. I may as well say it right at the top. We are doing... An Olympic special this week, guys. Wow! We are doing an Olympic special because the day this episode comes out, we are just two days away from the uh, amazing opening ceremony, the Rio 2016 Summer Olympics. Will it match the 2000 Sydney Olympic opening ceremony that Jess spoke at length about? In my heart, no. Nothing ever will. But every time they say... Surely this is the best opening ceremony. You know they always say that. No, they've still they still say about Sydney. They still say it about Sydney. Anyway, you think they all suck? What about the um, when they what came about, out with a thousand horses? What about when John Farnham and Olivia Newton-John sang "Dare to Dream"? Oh, Dare to I dream. mean, that's sure that was a heartbreaking moment. <laughs> what about the Dare to be when they came out with six? They came out with six thousand hills hoists. Anyway, I don't. Oh. I'll cry again. What famous Rio duo will I've be? I've been missing the strawberry kissing. Also, the birth Nothing of... Nothing as sweet, the taste still drives me crazy. For international listeners, seriously, do yourself a favour. Listen, yeah, look YouTube up Nikki Webster. Webster. And my nipples. That's right, you called your nipples strawberry kisses. Gross. Strawberry kisses. Oh, anyway. So, 
We're just a couple of days from the biggest event on the sporting calendar. It only happens once every four years. And, like uh, Matt getting laid. <laughs> oh, the biggest event. Every four years. Only two days, that Matt. Was, that was a private matter, Jeff. <laughs> I know you told me that in confidence, but it's a weird arrangement that you have, yes, and uh, I felt the listeners needed to know. Sure. Matt I mean, if you, if you think they'd be interested. I think they're interested. Right. Matt is counting down the hours. Oh, gross. Anyway, let's get into it. But you, got, you guys, are you, are you excited about the Olympics? How I like you feel the Olympics. No. No, not at all. Not in any way. Are you seriously? You don't like it at all. You don't no. watch it. The events. I you, you when I was a kid, you I did. Like sport. I would have thought you'd yeah, be right you, into you, it. I like real sport. What's not real about the Olympics? It's the it's biggest. Just a lot of silly sports. I think you're just being purposefully the one who's disagreeing. I think that's what. I think you're just trying you're to put boy. in a bit of. Do you think I'm playing devil's advocate? I think. I think you're playing bad okay. cop. I think you're playing bad cop. I'll say some sports, and you tell me if you think they're real sport. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. It's great. Field hockey. No. High jump. No. Volleyball. No. Shooting. No. With Basket. a pistol. Come on. Oh. No, nah, I'm still Okay, uh, basketball. Basketball? Uh, basketball's a sport, but Gr- I mean... Great, but... Uh-huh. Where's the but in that? Well, I mean, the NBA's are the high... That's the pinnacle of basketball. No one gives a shit about Olympics. Okay. Um, okay, sell it to an Olympic basketballer. Water polo? Uh, it's real. That's, that's a good sport. Okay, I've got one. Gymnastics. I love seeing those horses under the water. <laughs> oh, God. Uh... <laughs> like drowning horses. Badminton. Yeah, yeah. Surely yeah. you're on board with a bit of badminton. Shuttlecock. Shuttlecock. Yeah, you in for that? Um, look, that's a silly sport. That's just like weird tennis. Ping pong. Oh, p- yeah, table tennis. Talking about, but it's tennis. Table tennis. Tennis, but miniature. Yeah, table tennis is kind of cool. I like small things. Synchronized swimming. Oh, I mean, you're taking the piss now. Like you are proving my point. That's dancing in the water. It's water dancing. But at the same time, the things that are, I mean. <laughs> Things are, th- there are a few things at the Olympics that are cool. And I said field hockey, no. Field hockey is one of the cool ones. I said no just because I, I couldn't open with a yes. Um, <laughs> well, but, I tried to make you. But, but like, you know, the 100-meter sprint's pretty cool. Yeah. Sw- what about swimming? Some of the swimming stuffs can be all right. 200-meter um, breaststroke. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's all fine. It just feels a little bit... It's all pretty silly. I love it, and I hate it. I love it. Oh, whatever. I, you're right. I was just trying to be bad cop. I don't have an opinion. Well, I hope you're It's up just for... annoying that they're doing it in the middle of footy season. Jesus. Have some respect <laughs> for the real football. The real sport. Well, we are doing an Olympic special this week to celebrate the, the Games. Just because it only happens once every four years, we thought we'd jump on the bandwagon. Because I got an email a few weeks ago from one of our listeners, Andrew. We got an email. Okay, just because you were the one Sorry, who I read the it. email. I've never checked the email. You, you check the email. Yes, I'm the email master. That sounds way cooler than it is. That is <laughs> it does sound very cool. Um, so Andrew emailed us saying, with the Olympics coming up, I wanted to recommend looking at one of my favourite Olympic athletes. Ah. And he said, and then I thought, oh, that'd be that's really really cool. And I looked into his favourite one of his favourite Olympic athletes who I'm going to talk about, and I thought, oh, that's great. But I feel like we could probably talk about a few Olympic athletes, and then I'm, uh, I thought that maybe we could all do one each, go around the table. Yeah. Do three mini three mini episodes in one where we talk about a uh, a famous Olympic athlete. No, thank you. No, thanks for the offer though. Yeah, that's really it's a nice idea, but um, sorry, no, Andrew. Matt and I Does prefer it when you talk oh, sorry, and Andrew. we sit back quietly. Yeah, is that cool? Is that all right? Thank about, you. But as cool as <laughs> badminton. 
Hmm. Pretty cool then. Pretty cool, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So no, you're just joshing me because everyone we have all written a report. And, yeah, uh, we bloody joshed ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the real Olympic sport, am I right? Joshing. Bloody joshing with your mates. God, we'd be the bloody world champs, hey? World champs. <laughs> Relay team over here, joshing with your mates. Yeah. And I'm having a bit of a josh and a throw it over to Matt. Hey, you guys are no good. Nah, just joshing, you're all right. Dave. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm better at breaststroke than joshing. No, I'm just tricking. <laughs> yeah, he's the best, Josh. Yeah, because that cup, cup, my middle name was nearly Josh, but they said James. David Josh is a silly name. <laughs> David Josh. <laughs> it's a funny bit. If my name was David Josh and we joked about James, you'd be like, "That's the worst name ever." But David, it would be Joshua, surely, not David Josh. That just sounds so silly. David Josh. David Josh Hornicky. Sounds like a. It's kind of like Jess can't be a middle name, you know. Rachel Jess. Smith. Yeah, you don't shorten middle names, that's why. It's just weird. <laughs> it's a weird thing to do. Matthew. But Jess is a name. Matthew Dave Stewart. <laughs> no, it's, it's weird. David Matt Warnicky. <laughs> David Dave Warnicky. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we thought David wasn't enough. We wanted to honour. I'm not even named after anyone. But you guys, you guys genuinely like the Olympics? No, I genuinely oh. find it. Yeah, I love watching the Olympics. Probably the time that I watch the most sport in the, that four year period. Right. Yeah. I Any agree. events in particular? Um, I like the swimming. Swimming. We're, we're talking about this. Well, I like watching the gymnastics. Yeah, gymnastics is really really cool. Just because, but I I tend to watch it like, oh no, because I'm so convinced they're going to hurt themselves. Oh, I kind of enjoy it when they fuck up a little bit. No, but see, when it I, makes it seem a lot harder. Do you not think? Oh yeah. If one of them falls off, you think, oh, actually, it's probably probably it's probably hard, quite hard. No, but when hard. I played when I played basketball as a teenager, I sprained my ankle. Many, many times. Like just my left one, I sprained nine times. Um, so now when I watch other people like play sports and stuff, I get like what I call post-traumatic stress. <laughs> where like I'm watching them, I'm you like, were, oh god, uh, I can feel it. Like, you were you were only eight sprained ankles away from making the Olympic squad. What could have been? What, what could have been? been? Sprain your ankle once, they'll take you on. Second time, shame no way. on you. You're shame on you. You are out of this. Third squad. time, maybe. Pick a different sport. Yeah, come on. Nine, 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 nine fucking times. times. Nine times. That's just the left one. The right one was about four or five as well. At that point, like, find an indoor activity, you know? Your foot would just be flipping and yeah. flopping. It'd just be dangling. I can't chicka, walk. Chicka, 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 chicka. Like that. Flipping and flopping. And the hipping and the hopping. All right, so who's going to kick it off then with their... Well, I think uh, I'm going to kick it off by talking about the one that Andrew has suggested. Cool. And uh, I'm just going to ask you straight off the bat here. Um, my question is simply, have you heard of the long-distance runner Emil Zatopek? No. Yes. JP? JP, you have? I have. Very cool, very cool. I have heard of you have heard of Emil Zatopek, who mm-hmm. is a long-distance runner, and I'm going to give a bit of background and then talk about uh, his Olympic feats. Awesome. And his records. Feats, F-E-E-T-S, because he's a runner. Get it? Just start the report, mate. Born in Czechoslovakia in 1922, Emil... The year was 1922, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> See? <laughs> Emil Zatopek, she was the sixth, count them, one, two, three, four, five, sixth child in a modest family. Do that in Czechoslovakian, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For a second there, I believed I could speak Czech. 
I really honestly thought that <laughs> it was like, have I told this story in the podcast where I went to um, mass? On, I've never been to really I'm church. Not You're not over it yet? Yeah, sorry. I went to um, uh, mass on Christmas. I've never done that before uh, in in Paris when I happened to be there on Christmas Day and which was, you know, a cool experience, but after two hours of them speaking French and me not understanding a word, we'd stand up every few minutes and they'd sing the songs in French and that was fine because it's the same tune for hymns, the famous ones, the Christmas carols. And on the way out, the priest is shaking everyone's hand and saying, thanks for coming, thanks for coming. And he says something to, I don't know, I guess that's what he's saying. He says something to me in French <laughs> and I don't want to make him realise that I've sat there for two <laughs> hours not understanding anything he said. So I just, I remember I made this noise. I just went, boom, boom. <laughs> And just kept walking. Shook his head. And just kept walking. Just kept walking. Just hoping that does that sound a little French? Like maybe he'd be like, oh, he said something to me. I just I must have misheard it. Oh. oh, so silly. That feels. That's a real that you know that people talk about the curb your enthusiasm sort of moment. <laughs> Why do you think that was boom, boom. That sounds like a, someone boom, pretending boom. to be a drum. Boom, it does. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> Did you know any words? You knew thank you or something. He said we. Oh, we. Bonjour. <laughs> he was like, thank you for coming. Hello. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> like, but you know, you know, Amen, <laughs> Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. You would have Hello. known. <laughs> you would have known mercy. 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 Mercy beaucoup. Mercy beaucoup. I, I, I honestly, Bum-bum. I just pa- I panicked. I panicked. <laughs> boom, boom. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Yeah, I hope you. I hope you enjoyed the service. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. <laughs> oh, my French knowledge would have been very handy as well. Uh, thank you for coming. Merry Christmas. My name is Jess. Je <laughs> m'appelle <laughs> Jess. <laughs> All right. So. Hello. <laughs> so- we're with our, our main man, Emil Zatopek in Czechoslovakia, the sixth child in a modest family. Sixth. That's right. Sixth. Don't count him. Don't sixth. count him. Uh, <laughs> at age 16, Emil began working in a shoe factory. Runners use shoes. So this is good start. <laughs> okay. All right. I um, see where you're going. Later on, when he asked how he got into running, he said, one day, the factory sports coach... Sure. I don't know why the shoe factory has a sports coach, no, but they do. My job has a sports coach. D- they come in and <laughs> that's their full-time job. Yeah, it's to whip you into shape. And call centre sports coach. Jess, quick, we're hitting the volleyball court in two minutes. All right, I'll be there, sports I'll coach. There. <laughs> Hold the calls. <laughs> uh, one day, the factory sports coach, who was very strict, pointed at four boys, including me, and ordered us to run in a race. I protested that I was weak and not fit to run, but the coach sent me for a physical examination. <laughs> Just love this. This so good. The factory has a big budget for this. Yeah. The doctor said I was perfectly well, so I had to run. And when I got started, I felt I wanted to win, but I only came in second. That was the way it started. So that race had 100 people in it. 
What? So coming in second is actually quite amazing considering he didn't even want to do it. And he didn't think he could run. He thought he was too yeah. weak and sickly. He came second. So he wanted to run now. So he joined the local athletic club where he would develop his own training program. I don't know why you join the club and then develop your own program. Uh, <laughs> modelled on what he had read about the great Finnish runner, Pavo Nurmi. And when I say great, I mean unbelievably great. There's this guy. Have you heard of Pavo Nurmi? No. Mm, no. Uh, he set 22 official world records, distances between 1,500 metres and 20 kilometres. He won nine gold, three silver medals in his 12, uh, his 12 events at the Olympic Games. He once won the 5,000 metre and the 1,500 metres on the same day. That's what? That sounds really good. He set Olympic records in both. So that's his hero. Nicknamed the Flying Finn, this guy, Pavo. He always ran with his own stopwatch in his hands. So we could check at what time he was setting. Oh, man, that's great. I've heard, I reckon I've heard of the Flying Finn. The Flying Finn. Yeah. Yeah, that rings a bell. Or maybe just sounds cool. It does sound pretty sick. So, influenced by his hero, the Flying Finn, Zatopek uh, developed his own style, which experts derided at first, but within a few years, most of the world's top distance runners were using versions of the Zatopek method. Wow. Oh, oh, you run the Zatopek? Oh, that oh, is yes. cool. I also run the Zatopek. I am a Zatopek. Oh, we are Zatopek <laughs> runners. Very cool. <laughs> I don't know what accent that is, so it's not offensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was from outer space. <laughs> Uh, Zatovek found, too, that regular training offered a form of escape from the oppression, oppression of Nazi occupation. So, oh, your mates. No. But th- at, at this time, in the 1940s, when he's training, the Nazis are occupying Czechoslovakia. This was not a great time for the locals. Uh, so he, to escape from it, began to train with levels of obsession and invention that no one had contemplated before. That's kind of cool. He was like, I'll just work harder. Uh, so just four years after starting his training in 1944, Emil Zatopek broke the Czechoslovak records for the 2,000, 3,000 and 5,000 metres. Wow. At the end of the war, he joined the Czechoslovak army and he continued to train. So he was in the army, but then they let him go and do his training. I think mainly because they were impressed with how fucking how dedicated he was. It's yeah. funny that someone had to come up with that. Work harder. Work, yeah, no. No one's ever thought about this before, but I think it was just absolute crazy obsession. Uh, by this time, he developed an, other, an a rather odd running style, which was uh, very distinctive. Well, Jess is flailing your arms about, but it is actually a lot like that. So it was at odds with what's considered effective style at the time, and probably since, because his head would often roll around. Uh, his face contorted with effort while his torso swung from side to side. Do videos of this exist? You can see videos of it, yeah. He often wheezed and panted audibly while running. <laughs> like, seriously, like, you know how like, people do the, make fun of the tennis players now? He was like that, but r- r- running for 10,000 metres. <laughs> he earned the nickname Emil the Terrible or the Czech Locomotive. That's so great. He was described at the time by the press. Everybody's at, doing a brand new dance now. Emil, baby. <laughs> do the check like a mouse. Great. Uh, the, at the time, the press described him variously as he runs like a man who has just been stabbed in the heart. Oh, boy. Or he runs as if there was a scorpion in each of his shoes. That one makes more sense because you would sort of be like, oh, oh, oh. But if you'd just been stabbed in the heart, I don't think you'd be running. But no one had contemplated putting a scorpion in the shoe before. Hello. So perhaps that was the secret. Very smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, when asked about um, why he did this, he said, I am not talented enough to run and smile at the same time. <laughs> sure. Okay. So he was a wit. Yes. Well, he was asked about his tortured facial expressions. He said, it isn't gymnastics or figure skating, you know. What? Oh, cop that. Cop that. I Hitler? guess. Hitler. 
It's towards the What's end. What do you mean? Like you have to look good doing gymnastics? Yeah, so in gymnastics and figure skating, you get graded. Do you have on to on your face? Well, it's all part of the yeah. Well, they grade I, you on your face. You do get graded on it. It's, you're supposed to make it look easy. The easier you make oh, it look, that's the better why you they score. look so funny. You don't and have they're to make pretending, running. you know, when, yeah. and when they do that. Gym, gymnast lands. Yeah, the dismount, and, I, and then they, they're panting, but they're also smiling. It's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm having a great time. That is so weird. What a weird thing. That this is, is the Olympics. That's the Olympics. We're still talking about Weirdness. the Olympics. Weirdness. It's just weird. Olympics is a weird thing. I love weird. I love weird. Uh, so his training was really weird. He would train in any weather, including snow, and would often do so whilst wearing heavy work boots sure. as opposed to special running shoes. Have so, they made a movie about this guy? Not that I've come across. They should. So he would wear these running boots because it would make the normal shoes seem easier to run in. Yeah, sure. Uh, so And when he was in the snow, he would put on three tracksuits. Fair enough. Run around the snow. Sometimes one tracksuit, not enough. That's my rule. Three tracksuits. I just get too hot. Yeah. Surely the running will warm you up. Yeah, just put on your shorts. Come on, Emil. The Czech locomotive. Uh, Zatopek was selected for the Czechoslovak national team for the 1946 championships or European championships in Oslo and Norway, but only managed to finish fifth in the 5,000 metres. He did, however, break his own Czech record. So he's doing well. For best in the country, but on the in Europe, fifth best. Which is still pretty good. So he trained even harder. A couple of years later, his first Olympics were in London, 1948, when he was 26 years old. Wow. The government didn't... So the government's quite oppressive at the time. They didn't want him to participate in the opening ceremony in case it made him tired. Aww. So he temporarily walked his way into the Danish team in order so he could join the parade. Oh yeah. That'd, that'd, so be, the, that'd be so much fun. It's a real I character. mean, it's the worst part of the ceremony to watch because it goes for 17 fucking years. Do you watch it? No. I love their outfits. You flick, though. You Lo- flick across, or what have about you the outfits? It? Well, I'd put, well, because uh, let's say, for example, because it's usually overseas, so it's a weird time here. So we might tape it, right? And then I'd watch it, and I'd fast, fast forward that bit, and I'd get to Australia, and I'd go, yeah. Oh, you'd watch the Australian watch team, Australia, okay. and then I'd fast forward. Okay. Well, oh, I love what I love the outfits, especially you know some of the, the oh, stuff some of the from, outfits are great. from the island nations or from yeah. Africa. They always wear Beautiful. these really cool stuff, and ours are always oh. terrible. It's kind of They're embarrassing. It's so bad. It's, it's, it is funny, like it's on purpose almost. Yeah. But it, I reckon you, it's it's the worst job to get, I reckon. Whatever you do, yeah. the Australian media is just going to give you shit. It is. make them look good. It's not that hard. I reckon they're, they're fine. Like, who cares well, anyway? A few of them have been pretty terrible. It's just a, oh, it's a green and gold tracksuit. Oh, yeah, I reckon that's about right. So, but like, oh, <laughs> but no, honestly, that's not what I would have done. All yeah. right. I'm Jeff sorry. Perkins got an opinion. Everyone, shut up for a second. Let's hear about fashionista over here. What has she got to say? I would have done it uh, golden green. For shame. Cop that, Jess. I don't know where that came from. Nah, you look good. I like that scarf you're wearing. Thanks, mate. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Uh, so, he, he's at the Olympics, 1948. He won the 10,000-meter gold medal. 10,000 meters is so far. So far. 10,000 meters. What's that 10Ks? I'm running that uh, soon. Are you? Yeah. What do you mean soon? What for? Fun run. 10K. <laughs> Nothing fun about a run. No, I did a 5K. That was enough. Well, uh, I have not trained for it. it it's not going to be good. It's not going to be fun at all. No. Oh, I've got some... I've, pay attention to this story, Matt. Uh, Zatopek, he finished second in the 5,000 metres 
which was run during a rainstorm, which you think he'd be pretty used to because he runs in the snow. So he gets a gold medal and silver medal. The following year, he really stepped it up and broke the 10,000-metre world record twice. And then so he went, what, as in, like, he broke the record and then he broke his own record? Beat his own record, oh, yeah. that's cool. And then went into You'd be- like to be like, suck it, past me. <laughs> and uh, over the next four se- running seasons, he did it three more times. So he just kept improving his own You're record. You're kidding. He set records in the 5,000 metres, 20,000 metres, how far someone can run in one hour, 25,000 metres, 30,000 metres. He won the 5,000, 10,000 at the 1950 European Championship and the 10,000 metre at the next European Championship. So he's winning a lot. But his most successful Olympic Games is the next one, 1952, in Helsinki. Zatopek won gold in the 5,000 metres. So he didn't win that one last time. His victory this time came after a ferocious last lap in uh, under a minute, during which he went from fourth place to first in the final turn. No. So he just got In the there. last 200 metres. Yeah. His wife, Dana Zatokova, Dana Zatokova, who was born on the same day and the same year as her husband, exactly the same oh, age. that's kind of cute. She won a gold medal in the javelin oh, throw. she was an Olympian too. Only a few moments after he won the five oh. run. I don't know if you know this at the Olympics. Obviously, they run the 10,000 metres on the track and they did the javelin in the middle. So he's running laps around her while she's getting her own gold medal. Oh, my God. I'm dying. That's so That is cute. so cool. He also won gold in the 10,000 metres. So, bang, he's done the double, right, which is incredible. He's got two gold medals. Uh, but his greatest feat came as a last-minute decision. He decided to... to... try synchronised swimming. <laughs> He decided someone because that happened like it's a school carnival. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, someone's just dropped out mm. of an event. <laughs> anyone? A, can anyone fill in for this? Oh, I'd be so good if the Olympics was like that. <laughs> well, back in 1952, it was because he decided at the last minute to run in the marathon. What? He had never run a marathon in his life. <laughs> he was like, I've got two gold medals. That's like I'll give it a go. Is that not 42 42? k's? Yeah. yeah. So his event, his biggest event at the Olympics is 10,000 meters, right? A marathon is 42,195 meters. So it's like doing four of those things again, much, much longer. He's already tired and he hasn't trained at all. Oh my God, I know what he's going to do. But his strategy for the marathon was simple. He just raced alongside Jim Peters, who's a British Jimmy, guy. Jimmy Peters. Who was uh, the world record holder at the time. So he's like, I'll just keep up with this guy. He knows oh, what he's that's doing. smart. See, that's smart. People don't think like that. No. If you want to be the best at something, just run next to the person who's already the best at it. And then at the end, just go a little bit quicker. Yeah, like kick it, him. say... Kick him, in kick him in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, PD. If you want to start a really popular social media website, just run next to old a mate Zuckerberg. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. And then at the last possible last second, kick him in the dick. Kick, kick him in the dick. dick. Yeah. And run across the finish line. Yeah. yeah. Collect your billion dollar check. Just steal. Probably just steal. Why aren't more people successful with this basic advice? Know. You know. Well, Matt, you could do never this given the... it before. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Are you planning now to to? Uh, Run alongside the winner of this 10-kilometer race you're doing, Matt. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to run alongside the winner. <laughs> well, so I'll, I'll tell you, the rest of the strategy is, after a punishing... So he's running alongside the world record holder. Never run a marathon before ever. After a punishing first 15 kilometers, so already further than he's ever run properly, in which uh, Peters <clears throat> knew he had overtaxed himself, Emil asked the Englishman what he thought of the race thus far. Hey, how do you think we're doing? The astonished Peters told the Czech that the pace was, quote, too slow in an attempt 
to uh, psych out and slip up Zardabek. So he's like, I've been running faster than I've ever run before. I'll tell him I'm running slow and so that'll he's psych already, him out. He's pushed himself. Like, he's, he's pushed already, himself too hard. He's like, I, I've, I've gone too hard. I've gone too, too hard. I'm gonna tr- I'll psych him out. Oh, it's just, yeah, we're running too slow, to be honest. I reckon I'm running my best time. At which point, Zartopek responded by simply accelerating. And just You're kept, kidding. Kept going. As Zartopek entered the stadium in first place, 70,000 people chanted his name with such spine-tingling unanimity. That's a hard word. Fuck. Chanted his name in such a spine-tingling way that one British journalist described it as, quote, the greatest happening in athletics history. At that moment, recalled Juan Antonio, the future president, Juan Antonio Samaranch, a future president of the IOC, International Olympic Committee, he said, at that moment, I understood what the Olympic spirit means. Peters... Someone winning a race. Matt. Peters, the world record holder. No, it's fucking inspiring. Yeah, yeah, the guy, he he ran really fast. I'm inspired. Jim Peters did not even finish the race. (gasps) Zatopek won the race and set an Olympic record. Fuck off. He's never run a marathon before. He's incredible. I love that. He's like, so, how are we doing, Petey boy? Yeah, how are you? Oh, no, we're going too slow. Oh, are we? Oh, shit. Okay, see ya. <laughs> I'm going to run. Are you going to run fast? Are you going to run? Hey, keep up. Jim, you going to run faster too? Another 25 to go, Jimmy. Jim? Jim? Jim. Jim's dead, you guys. Died of a heart attack. Not long after that. Well, Jim did nearly die a couple of years oh. later. In uh, 1954, the Vancouver Commonwealth Games, he reached the stadium in first place, 17 minutes ahead of the next runner, 10 minutes ahead of the record, but he collapsed repeatedly and failed to finish. Oh, that In in 11 minutes, he staggered only 200 metres. Oh, my God. He collapsed, he was stretched it off, and never raced again. He said... Later on, I was lucky not to have died that day. That is incredible. He so, was so... so that, 10 minutes under so the world fast. record. Oh, my God. He's that doing the, the last lap and he can't do it. I imagine. So, Jimmy Peters pushed himself a lot. Uh, Zartopek, so now he's won three gold medals. He attempted to defend his marathon gold medal at the next Olympics. However, it was the Melbourne Olympics, 1956. However, he suffered a groin injury while training. So bad he was hospitalized. Somebody kicked him in the dick. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, he was hospitalized for six weeks. It was a big kick. <laughs> made two mistakes there. First, he was kicked in the dick. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, he trained for the marathon. Yeah, don't train. Surely train. you'd keep up a good thing. Don't train, just win it. Sadly, he resumed training after leaving the hospital, but the day after leaving, but never quite regained his form. He only finished sixth in the marathon. And uh, he retired from competition in 1957, age 35. Wow. Uh, wow. In 1966, he gave one of his gold medals to the legendary Australian runner Ron Clark. Mm-hmm. Ron Clark, who was, uh, s- despite setting like over, t- I think, two dozen world records himself, he never won an Olympic gold medal. So Zartopek gave it to him because he was a hero for him. Uh, very sadly for Zartopek, in the 1960s, he stood up to the Communist Party in charge in an event known as the Prague Spring. He was stripped of his rank and expelled from the army and the party which he'd been serving in. He was... Uh, very dedicated to the Communist Party, but he stood up to them. They removed all important positions from him, and he was forced to work in in a string of inferior and dangerous positions, Aww. like mining and digging digging holes and like pretty awful stuff. And for a time, all of his records and existence were stripped completely from the books. Oh, so he shit. acted like he never existed. His image was rehabilitated by the Czech president Václav Havel in the early 1990s. So he regained. Wow, uh, like fame. quite a while later. A long long time later, nearly 30 years, no, 25 years later, 
And he died in the year 2000, age 78. Wow. In 2013, the editors at Runner's World magazine, they, not, they like running, selected him as the and greatest. Worlds. Well, they selected him the, as the greatest runner of all time. Wow. He remains the only person ever to win the 5,000, 10,000 and marathon at the same Olympics. That's incredible. He ran all three events in just eight days. So he ran Amazing. a long way. Uh, in 2012, he was named among the first 12 athletes to be inducted into the IAAF, International Association of Athletics Federation's Hall of Fame. Other people in, inducted include Carl Lewis, Australian Betty Cuthbert, Jesse Owens, and Zatopek's hero, the Flying Finn, Pavo Nermi. Awesome. So there you go. What a cool dude. What a cool dude. What a cool dude. That is really fascinating. So I hope I did... Justice to Andrew, one of his favourite athletes. So that's one athlete down. We've got two to go here, people. Well, what's really interesting is that we probably should have discussed this in more detail because mine... We don't know who we're going to talk about, by the way, I should say. We just... Have you also picked him? When I asked you, have you heard of Emile Zartepec, is that because you've written a 30-minute report on him? I haven't done a report on him. I have done a report on an Australian at a similar time. Ron... Who was... Ronald Clark? No... Who was inspired by uh, by your mate? So, oh. I'll just get stuck in. So it's it. like the four by one hundred. I'm passing the baton. You are passing the baton, and I, I gratefully accept the baton. Uh huh. Um. So I. Uh, oh, it's weird not starting with a question because I don't really do. Do I need? Go and ask a question. Have you heard of John Landy? Yes. Dave. Yes, but I don't know. Why, to be honest? Okay, well, that's was he? Was it? A, was it with a thing? Big thing with Ron Clark? Yes, yes. I've right, heard so a little bit about this. John Landy is an Australian, so he was um, born in Melbourne in uh, 1930, and, uh, and cool. He, he went to Mel- uh, Malvern Memorial Grammar School, which is now part of Caulfield Grammar and uh, and Geelong Grammar School, and he graduated from Melbourne University in 1954. Receiving a Bachelor of Agricultural Science. Oh, he knows a, knows a thing or two about plants, does he? He knows a thing or two. Now, he became a serious runner during his uni years and he joined the Geelong Guild Athletic Club in 1949. And he was a member of the Australian Olympic team at both the 1952 Summer Olympics in Helsinki and the 56 Summer Olympics here in Melbourne. Oh, so he would have seen Zatopek. Similar times, yeah, exactly. Um, he actually took the Olympic oath at the 1956 Olympics in Melbourne. You know how there's always like one oh, yeah, someone's takes got the a, oath. On behalf of all athletes. All of athletes. So it was John Landy at 56 in Melbourne, here well, in Melbourne. That's a real honour. Isn't it? And it was John Landy, which is pretty cool. Now the point, I've always really liked the story of John Landy and it's, it's not even necessarily about, um, like he was obviously a very talented runner and, and that will become apparent, but his story is more of... Um, like incredible sportsmanship and just human spirit, and that's why I really like this story. <clears throat> is that when you truly understood the Olympic spirit? Yeah, it is, and that's why I enjoy the Olympics. And maybe Matt, after this, maybe you too. Yeah, I'll melt your cold, cold heart. Maybe you can enjoy you, the Olympics after this. And you this. can salute Queen Elizabeth II, as we all should. So on uh, on the 21st of June in 1954, at an international meet in Finland, um, John Landy became the second man, after uh, only after a guy called Roger Bannister, to achieve a sub-four-minute mile. Ah, oh, yes. Oh, the four-minute mile. The four-minute four mile. mile. Recording a world record time of three minutes, f- 57.9 seconds, which was rounded up to three minutes, 58 seconds, because of the rounding rules that were in effect at the time. So ah, three the minutes... Three minutes, 58, and he ran a mile. Why are they bloody rounding it up? I know. They know the answer. Yeah. Hey, you, we, we all know that you ran three minutes, 57.567. But, but. Just to be safe. It's just easier to put it on the board. 
We've only got so much chalk. Yeah. yeah. Chalk Three. stations are important. My wrist hurts. Oh. I'll just write an eight. Eights are hard in chalk. Eight. Can I can just say, I'll just round up to four minutes. Can, can we I just say, you, well, let's just say you did it in I'll zero. Just, I'll just draw a tick. I'll just draw a tick. I'll just, yep, tick. <laughs> did it. Take your certificate and move on. Fuck off. How about everyone gets an Olympic medal? <laughs> That's much easier. Yeah, I'm into this. Yeah, that would be okay, wouldn't it? If we all got one, then it wouldn't matter. Yeah, no, okay, there it is. There's, there's oh. the point. Yeah, all it right, wouldn't okay. matter. So, yeah, he, he, he broke the record, and that record was held um, for more than three years. Internationally, um, he's probably best known for his part in a mile race in the 1954 Commonwealth Games in Vancouver, which you were mentioning before as well, because you're, you're That's right, they're all well. the same, the they're same all era. They're all the same there. Um, he ran his second sub-four-minute mile in the race, but lost to Roger Bannister, um, who had his best time ever. And uh, and this meeting of the world's two fastest milers was called... It had a few different names. They called it... Oh, I hope it rhymes. Me too. The rumble in the mile. The We've trundle got, in the... They're pretty dramatic names. We've got the miracle mile. Oh, that's good. Or the race of the century. I like that. So, uh, and, but there's a lot of, of the centuries, isn't and it? And the dream race. Dream race kind of sounds a bit racist, doesn't it? The dream... <laughs> yeah, the master race. Yeah, that sounds wrong. <laughs> Of those, I think I like Miracle Mile. Anyway, um, what's you, do you like? You, I think you liked Race of the Century the most, Matt. Yeah, I mean they're all a little bit kind of. They just sound a bit like they were made by a machine. You know, there's no personality to any of them. They okay. also sound a bit cold. What would and you no, call it? So you got two of the best mile runners. I really like Rumble in the Jungle type of thing. Uh-huh. So what about and where were they? What, Vancouver. Was that, is that is that like a jungle or no? What is it? That's like um, it's like a it's Canada. A, okay, it's, Canada. It's like a Canada. Yeah. Okay. Let's say. And what's a what's another way of saying running race? Um, uh, sprint. Sprinting. Well, that's not really sprint. Okay. Is it? Um, uh, um, what about this? Uh-huh. Uh huh. The long distance race in Canada. I like it. Yeah. What about uh, trial of the mile? Oh yeah. See, there's a, like a rhyme there. That's good. Trial of the um, Mile. That's pretty good. Hashtag. Hashtag Trial of the Mile. Uh, get a telephone and dial. Um, mm. as D- dial a mile. While while the, everyone is, else is running um, a, a, somewhere around a, a mile. What about the mile that takes less than a while? Oh, that's yeah, that's better. Have you in, two thought about careers in advertising? I think um, so. I think it, I've got I can't a gift. I can't already do work in it, yeah. Do you? Yeah, all right. I'll write some ads. So, um... Wow, I hate to be the sad loser <laughs> acting in those ads. <laughs> it's me. <sighs> um, okay, so yeah, so um, everybody, there was a lot of build-up around this race, the mile, the Miracle Mile, the race of the century, the dream race. It was heard over the radio by a hundred million people. And <laughs> they're still running. They're still running. They're, yep, they're still running. <laughs> Okay, well, that's why you can't be a good commentator, okay? Now, it'd be more like this. And here they go. They're running. And here they keep they keeping on going. Here they go. They're running and they're running. And one of them is ahead of the other. I can't quite see. <laughs> can't we don't see. have the technology. We're a long moment. way away. But they're running and they're running. We've pr- oh, they're a bit out of sight now. But we'd like to assume that they are still running. <laughs> they are running a race of their lives. Here they go, running and running. Running with their legs and all of their legs are running. Here they are and they're running now. They're straight out of the run, run, run and run. And running up the run, 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 run. And here we run. You haven't here even we done go a minute. It's a four minute race. And all 
my goodness, they do they run. Yes, yes, they do. They run and they run. And off they run and they're still running and etc. What's that? They stopped running. Just kidding, they're still running. Four minutes of that. That's yeah, exhausting. That. But 100 million that, people so. listened, so. Wow, anyway, it must Matt. Be pretty good. And you're listening. And, and was... you're listening <laughs> as they're running. It was seen on TV as well because. Yeah, it was seen on television. I almost don't need to tell you. You can see it for yourself. <laughs> there they are, running away, running away from the person behind and towards the person in front. Unless you're the leader, then just running into the bloody distance there, into the space that the has been... Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean to stop you. I was just trying no, to... No, no, if you, wanted, well, that, that if you just... wanted to butt in. No, that was... <laughs> That was just someone turning the radio off. <laughs> I'll just tune in in about three minutes, yeah, 50 maybe seconds. Just, yeah. You could just let, let me know who wins this. So. Anyway, the final, uh, the, 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 the famous moment, I should say, uh, of this race was on the final turn of the last lap. Uh, Landy looked over his left shoulder just to see what's going on behind him because he's, he's sort of in the lead. Oh, he's winning. He looks over his left shoulder right as Roger Bannister passed him on the right. So he sort of did it like so a So he looked to his left. Oh, no, I'm all good. Oh, that oh, is good. Shit. <laughs> that, 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 just, shit. Just, I wish they had slow-mo replays of him going, I'm cool. I'm not cool at all. Yeah, well, unfortunately, they just did not have that sort of technology for slow-mos. Well, I will be in, reenacting. Internal monologues. Um, but there's a there's actually a bronze sculpture of the two men at this exact moment as Landy sort of looks over his left shoulder and, and Bannister passes him on the right. Um, it was created by a Vancouver sculptor called Jack Harmon in 1967 and um, and it stood for many years at the entrance to the Empire Stadium in Vancouver, which is now no longer there, so the statue's been moved. But the statue still exists. Plus, it outlived the stadium. Yeah. But I think that's kind of nice. It was like a really famous moment um, in, of, in both of their careers. Of Roger Bannister. So, Roger Bannister, did he win? Yes. Oh. That's okay. That's all right. It's not over. Wait, are you telling the story of a loser? Oh, fuck both of you. David just told this story about this guy just won everything. And you've just, you've brought a story of a loser? Can I go on, please? I mean, sure, if you want to. But God, it feels like you... a bit of a waste of time. Okay, so Dave's mate won every single race, did he? Because I remember he him being fifth. fifth. Oslo. Okay. Mm. So coming bloody... And then he came back. He trained. Yeah. So give Landy a chance to come back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. So that's so that's how John not, Landy's... Not, I, can I just say, Jess, not a lot of people tell it to me straight. And what you did there showed a lot of moxie. You've got the job. Yay! <laughs> you can be in one of my crappy commercials. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so that, was, uh, that race at the Commonwealth Games in Vancouver is kind of how he's known internationally. But in Australia, he's remembered for his performance in the 1,500-metre final at the 56 Australian National Champions just prior, ch- Championships just prior to the Melbourne Olympic Games. So just before? Just before the Olympic Games. Um, so to tell this story, I found a piece written by Harry Gordon. It was written in 2004, and uh, and he knows or, or has known John Landy for a very long time. So um, I, I, I really like this whole uh, article. is really, really nice. So I'm just going to read part of it now, um, like most of it. Anyway, um, and, and it says a lot about John Landy's character as well, which is sort of the whole, the whole point of why he's so famous in Australia. So it starts with this. It says, To John Landy, it was an unfortunate accident, a diversion really, and certainly not an important event in his running career. He was never allowed to forget it though and reckons that it came to haunt the rest of his life. A lot of people seem to think it was the most significant thing I ever did in running, he, said, he has said. It wasn't, but the press grabbed it and made, made it look that way. 
The incident in question occurred at Olympic Park, Melbourne, on March 11, 1956, during the Australian Mile Championship. Diversion or not, it was named at the end of 1999 by the Sport Australia Hall of Fame as the nation's finest sporting moment of the 20th century. Wow. Yeah. And it has been commemorated by a larger-than-life sculpture called Sportsmanship, erected directly across the road from Olympic Park. God, this guy's sculpted everywhere. It's kind of cool. So what actually happened? It all began when Ron Clark... Who you mentioned. Ronnie. Oh, world record holder, Rockin never got Ronnie. the gold medal, mm-hmm. but my man Zadopek gave him a gold. The youngster who would one day hold every word record from t- uh, every world record records. from two miles to twenty kilometers. Wow! Came a cropper. God, I love Australians. Came a cropper. So he. Matt, do you he want to trans- oh, no, I was going to say Matt needs to translate that. He fell over. And, he you know what? It. The next sentence explains it. So as Clark crashed down after clipping another competitor's heels, Landy, who was very close behind, leaped desperately to clear his body. So he's jumped over him. Um, just because, like, you right, of course, yeah, you go, jump. oh, I've got a, something's in my so way. So he jumps, but he doesn't quite manage to clear him, and his spikes land on the inside of Clark's arm. Oh, that sounds painful. Right. So Landy pulled up, and while with other runners streaming past him, Landy took the time to trot back to Clark, who was still on the ground, and check how badly hurt he was. And yes, he also apologised. Sorry, Pat. Sorry about that. Went back and went, are you okay? Oh, no. Assured? Yes, Matt? Oh, no, it's just funny. I never knew that he um, spiked him. I just thought I he didn't went, know that either, yeah. yeah. I, for some reason, I just thought he went, oh, this guy's falling over. I'm going to go help him out. Is I didn't realise it was because he'd hurt him. Is that worse than, like, it's less cool now? Yeah, I don't know. I always, I remember as a kid because I've I've run at that um, stadium, and I reckon our teachers told us about that when I was yeah. at school. And I was just like, as a kid, I was like, "What are you doing? Just go and win the race. Talk, worry about him later. But now He'll you're still thinking, be there. Now you're thinking, oh, that's probably oh, fair, yeah. enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that's probably fair enough. So he's gone back and checked, and assured that the injury wasn't too serious, Landy looked up, then did something that astonished most of the 22,000 spectators. Oh, wow, there's a lot of people watching. I forgot that bit. Just to me, in my head, I was just thinking, they're just running. 22,000 people watching. With Clark now on his feet and urging him on, he began to chase a field of runners that had gone a long way past him. He had about a lap and a half to go. At the bell's lap... Which is the final lap when the bell goes off. He was fairly hurtling. He's running. And amazingly, he won the race. His act of chivalry had cost him perhaps up to seven seconds, and there is no doubt he sacrificed the chance of a world record. His time was four minutes, 4.2 seconds. I don't think I knew he won the race either. He won. I don't remember. He stopped to help his friend. So he's not a loser, Matt. He's a goddamn winner. And, and that was a, a big, that, well, that was like a, that was an Olympic race? Or was no, that, that was a, the um, Olympic lead up. The one championships of the, before, the, before the Olympics. World championships? Australian championships. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. Sorry about that. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Um, and so then he goes, um, Harry Gordon goes on to say, John Landy did not just win a championship that day. He took a foot race into folklore. I was privileged. I was a privileged witness. And I have to say that after more than half a century of watching and writing about sport all over the world, I've never seen a finer example of undiluted sportsmanship. What a dude. How cool is that? Next day, I reacted the only way I knew how. In my news- <laughs> got, on tri- got on Twitter. Basically, he got on his newspaper. <laughs> In my newspaper, the Sun News Pictorial, I wrote an open letter to John Landy about his actions. The entire letter, fashioned in bronze, now sits at the base of the sculpture created by Mitch Mitchell. Also, cruel parenting there, Mitch Mitchell. Mitch. What, so his full name's probably Mitchell Mitchell. That's awful. That is an absolute shocker. <laughs> And this is what I like, that he says, a couple of paragraphs are worth quoting here. He's quoting himself, which is adorable. <laughs> but this is what he wrote in the newspaper at the time, and this is what it says underneath the, uh, the sculpture of him now. So it says, Yours was a classic sporting gesture. It was a senseless piece of chivalry, but it will be remembered as one of the finest actions in the history of sport. In a nutshell, you sacrificed your chance of a world record to go to the aid of a fallen rival. And in pulling up, trotting back to Ron Clark, muttering sorry and deciding to chase the field, you achieved much more than any world record. But he also said, he said since that he regrets it, he wishes they didn't focus on it so much, sort of. Is that right? He doesn't regret it. He doesn't regret like, it. He don't just... make such a fuss out of it. Yeah, right. He's humble. But oh, I thought he, you were sort of saying, like, I achieved more stuff than that. That's what it sounded like when you said that before. It's like, you don't, why are you focusing on that? Than... I, oh. I did a lot of better stuff. No, he's just saying, like, stop making <laughs> I, a fuss. I just did what anybody would do. I founded right. Apple Computers. But uh, it's not mm. what anybody, everybody would do. Honestly, it's... I just did what anyone else would do when they'd stabbed another eraser well, just, with their can boots. Can you not just take, like, he's like one of my sporting heroes and you're just shitting all over him because he, he accidentally hit Stepped him. on a man. Like, he still went back and helped him. Yeah, I know. No, you're right. And a hero always says, I was just doing what anyone would do. Well, that's exactly it. And that's what. But what, one time I would love to see on the news report when they say, like, yeah, oh, you saved the kid from that burning house. What? Everyone's calling you a hero. What do you have to say to that? Yeah, yeah. I am a fucking hero. Good I'd love to hear that one day. That'd be so good. That'd be so good. Yeah. Yeah, what do you reckon? What do you reckon? I just risked my life. I just saved the kid. So great. Fuck, I'm a hero. Yeah, no, sorry about that, Jess. Yeah, no, it's Sorry fine. about that, Peter Landy. John Landy. John Landy. Yeah, I don't get his name right. <laughs> okay, and that's, that, that's sort of the, the point. So, like, Harry goes on to say, and again... A lot of people are wondering why you pulled up. The truth is, of course, that you didn't think about it. It was an instinctive action of a man whose mate is in trouble. In the record books, it will look a very ordinary run for these days. Wait. But then he says, but for my money, the fantastic gesture and the valiant recovery make it overshadow your magnificent miles in uh, Finland and Vancouver. It was your greatest triumph, and it is fitting that it took place in your hometown. So it's like you know, you already had a you already had a win, which is great, but you also did it in a really sportsmanly way. Yeah, words well, are fun. That is, uh, yeah, the fact that he won the race as well is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, it's exactly and pretty pretty embarrassing for everyone that he beat. Yeah, <laughs> exactly as he said, like it it was just instinct. He stopped. He got out his like his little first aid kit. Yeah. So Applied seven stitches. Yeah. <laughs> Learned to sew. Yeah. Drove to, him down to the hospital. <laughs> YouTube had a YouTube, stitches. Go to the hospital, waited six hours in emergency. To find a park. 
God, you know, get a park. Came back, changed back into his outfit, <laughs> did some stretches, like, look, did I'm, six warm-up might laps. Might as well finish the race. Took off from where he was and still beat them by a good 17 seconds. I really like this part of what Harry is saying because he, it like he takes it to a new level, which I really enjoy. So he says, so long afterwards, I wouldn't change a word. It's my belief that some of the proudest history of our nation had had a lot to do with people reacting generously, selflessly, courageously, and yes, instinctively, where their mates have been in trouble, which is nice. But then he says, in so many places, in bushfires, in floods, in battlefields, in the surf, (laughs) 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 and on the track. Man, I I love that kind of patriotism. Yeah, It's like... You know, what's something different about our country, Australia, is we help our mates, you know, in them other countries where they just, if they see a mate in trouble, they'll, leave they'll kick him. <laughs> they'll kick him. What's that? You need my help? And I'm gone. Yeah, that's what I do because I'm not Australian. Yeah. Who invented helping out people. Mateship. It's so funny. It's pretty funny. We're pretty dumb. Well, Good the- on us. One of the people that influenced uh, his progress... Who's this, sorry? John Landy. John Landy. Was Emil Zatopek. (gasps) The man himself. The man himself. He influenced him. He was an influence. Um, Oh, Matt, I hope your one is influenced by... Your your athlete better be influenced by John Landy somehow. I don't think there's any connection No, there's got to be. We'll find a way. We'll make it up. That is is your job. I like this. It says um, John Landy came under the spell of Zatopek at the uh, 1952 Helsinki Olympics. He was a witch doctor. Where the Czech won the 5,000 metres and 10,000 metres. Oh, that's right. And the marathon. And the marathon. The only man through So Landy was like, this guy is a fucking king. So Landy uh, accepted invitations to run with Zatopek and took careful note of his methods, including his punishing repetition training. And he changed his style. <laughs> and doing this. <laughs> he changed his running style, um, even his running shoes, and he would run each <laughs> Put night. on the work boots. <laughs> he would run each night around Central Park um, in Melbourne, which now is named after John Landy. So the park that he used to train around is now named after him, which is That's pretty cool. Sick. Where's that? Um, I think it's in like East Malvern. Huh. John yeah. Landy Park. Oh man, imagine having a park named after you. Well, he's got sculptures all over it as well. Pretty all sick. over the world, too. All of them. over the world. <laughs> um, now, John Landy didn't win a whole lot of medals. He only won a bronze at the 1956 Melbourne Olympics for the 1500 meters. But he was uh, obviously, you know, his sportsmanship and his um, his humble nature and everything made him a bit of a, a bit of a legend. And uh, what he went on to do, do you guys know what he went on to do after his? Did he be? He's, did he go into politics? Kind of, yeah. Um, so governor he, General? Or, no, Governor. Governor of Victoria. Victoria yeah. So he was um, sworn in on the 1st of January in 2001, sworn in as the 26th Governor governor of Victoria. Was that, what does that have been? Was that Jeff Cannett days? Was that? Steve no one Brax. Cares, man. Braxy. Brax was a premier. Um, yeah, so he, he was uh, the Governor of Victoria. He's written a few books um, about uh, natural... History because he had that uh, science. Oh, that's why he's an agricultural. Yeah, he was good at a lot of stuff. Yeah, and and just like just the lovely running, person. books, just a cool guy. Politics. Being, yeah. Over the years, he's been awarded with numerous honorary degrees. The first being a Doctor of Law from the University of Victoria, um, then a Doctor of Rural Science from the University of New England, followed by a Doctor of Laws from uh, Melbourne Uni. And a Doctor of Laws from Deakin. I went to Deakin. Don't, so he, maybe put that yeah, one to the back yeah, of the pile. Don't worry about it. Don't frame that one. Yeah. Uh, so he's got a quadruple doctor. Yeah. He was inducted into the Sports Australia Hall of Fame in 1985. Um, in 
1955, he was made a member of the Order of the British Empire for services to sport. He was awarded the Australian Sport Medal in 2000, and in 2001, he was awarded the Centenary Medal, um, made a Companion of the Order of Australia and a Knight of Grace of Most Vulnerable Order of the Hospital of St. John of Jerusalem. That's a long title. What a title. And in uh, 2006, he was appointed a Commander of the Royal Victorian Order during the Queen's visit to Australia. So he's had all these amazing um, titles and awards and everything like that. This is kind of cool. On the 15th of March in 2006, in the final month of his term as governor, John Landy was the final runner in the Queen's Button Relay during the 2006 Commonwealth Games opening ceremony at the MCG Stadium in Melbourne, presenting the um, baton to the Queen by placing it in its specially constructed holder. So he was like the last um, person to do that. And he handed it to the Queen. Yeah. Well, I don't, like, I don't think they'd let him just hand it to the Queen. He just put it in a thing in front of her and was like, Your Majesty. Here you are. Here you are. And the last little bit that I wanted to say um, was, it's another thing that uh, Harry Gordon said in his, uh, his write-up about John Landy. He said, When the Victorian government made the sensible decision to appoint Landy governor of the state, the Premier, Steve Brax, paid tribute to his humility. It is a trait that has often asserted itself, but maybe never more so than in his attitude to the memorable day at Olympic Park in March 1956. He still believes that what he did in that race didn't warrant a fuss. That's what makes him special. He's like, no, I don't know, no big deal, whatever. Still wish that he'd gone, I'm a fucking hero. Yeah, you're right. Ron should be bloody grateful. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. What a guy. So that's that's two... John Landy. All right, John Landy, inspired by Emil. Have you got another runner? Who who did John Landy inspire? Come on, Matt. Um, so us- I mean, if you if you wanted to do that, you should have told me. Did you guys talk about this? And you yeah. thought, oh, yeah. well, we wanted to embarrass funny. you. You're gonna bloody we wanted you make to a like fool a of old Matt Stewart. You low dogs. It doesn't take much to make a fool of old Matt Stewart. Well, all right. Well, I mean, yeah, fair enough. Thank you. Uh, no, mine. When you said Olympics. It was like, you know, the Olympics is obviously a big, big family. A lot of different things happen there. Um, yeah. I chose a, another Australian athlete, uh, but from the Winter Olympics. A guy called Stephen Bradbury. From, Bradbury! From modern times. <laughs> and uh, so, Stephen Bradbury, he was a, he's a fella uh, born in Sydney in 1973. Uh, he's, he's, he, and he's... Uh, it was an Olympic speed skater. Right, right so it was the, the ones that go round, round, around real quick. Round, around real quick. Yep, round the circle. Yeah, they, they do skate that thing at high speed. Where but they, like fit in a circle. You know, they're wearing those things on their fingers so they can sort of touch the thing to go around the corner. Oh, yeah, what is that? What is on their fingers? I think, I don't know. It Pink must gloves? be just like, yeah, mittens or something like that. <laughs> like special mittens, though. Ones that wouldn't get just soak up all water like ones that your mum might have knitted. Anyhow, his dad was also a skater. Um, his dad actually was the... His dad was a skater boy. Oh, my God. I was, singing that, I was singing that in my head. <laughs> yeah, his dad was a skater boy. He wasn't good enough <laughs> for her. Well, I, I, I disagree with that final part. Um, he was We're actually... talking about Stephen's mum, by the way. He was actually the Australian national speed skating champion in 1963 and 64. Runs in the fam. Wow. Uh, no, he, the fam got the runs. Oh, right, right, right. right. Dodgy Mexican. <laughs> he wasn't good enough for them. <laughs> he first uh, got Stephen 
on onto some skates at the age of three, so he got him started very young. Oh, I was pushing him, pushing you him. Got to start him young. But uh, he man, wa- I'm getting my kid. I'm getting them uh, a soccer ball because they're the ones that make the most money. Anyway, Matt, <laughs> I just I just want my children to be loved and feel happy. But yeah, okay, cool. I want to retire at forty. <laughs> you know, you, you know, listeners might know I'd I'd do a uh, trivia night that. Uh, Dave writes the questions for once a week, and mm. there was a question you wrote not that long ago. What was the what? Who was? Which sport has the highest paid players as uh, in terms of a top hundred in Forbes magazine or something? Oh, it's and the it highest wasn't percentage. Soccer. Yeah, it was. But the highest paid athlete it in the world was baseball. Well, the highest paid athlete in the world is Cristiano Ronaldo. Right, but yeah, I was really fascinated by the fact that baseball had the most. Uh, of, in, so the, the top hundred. The record is of the one hundred uh, list of Forbes one hundred highest paid athletes for the last twelve months. The most, the biggest percentage is made up by baseball players. Oh wow! There you go. But you know, one and two are both soccer players. Right. Yeah, that's right. Anyhow, so I'm yeah, going baseball. I, I just and I I'm not going to name ha- a baseball player. I'm not going to have a hundred kids. I'm going to have one kid. They're going to be at the top of that list, and they're going to play soccer. <laughs> I'm going to have a hundred kids. <laughs> anyway, young Steve, right. your yeah. your hundred kids can fight Mike. One. Kid. I'm going to get two bus loads. I'm just going to pick up kids on the street. Come on in, Jess, in. Jess's fun bus. <laughs> I call my that boobs. sounds weird. <laughs> you call your boobs the fun bus. <laughs> fun bust. Oh. Oh. <laughs> what were you saying, I was Jess? saying fun bus. My boobs know. are my fun bus. It's late and I've had Skittles. Uh, so he, uh, he put him on skates at the age of three, but it kind of ended in tears. Stephen was not keen. Oh, no. Apparently, I was listening to an interview with him, and he was saying that whenever someone goes around to his mum's house... The first photo she pulls out of him as a three-year-old, all soaked wet and bawling his eyes out because he just hated it. Mm-hmm. He's showing the photo and they're like, yeah, love, uh, it's $22 for that large pizza and a Coke. Uh, stop showing me your family photos, please. <laughs> and that's very nice. Oh, I Thank get it. you very much. It's a pizza delivery, man. That was a pizza delivery. She's still... Anyway, before I pay you, just check out this photo of uh, young Stephen Bradbury. A couple of years later, his dad tried again. So he was five years old and, he, and by that stage, he started getting into it. Uh, and then at the age of eight, he started going speed skating. He started doing it competitively. And uh, and that was when he said that he, he started really getting the bug for loving going fast. That's what he's into. At the age of 15, he made it onto the national speed skating team. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, so quite young. Um, but at this stage, the skaters on the team were selected uh, by a committee on their discretion. Was dad in the committee? Wasn't not necessarily going off data, like stats, results, well, and his dad was on the sorry, committee. What you, not, not going off results or data. What is it going off? It's that, going off, you know, that gut, kid, gut feel. See that kid there? I reckon he'd go real good on yeah. skates. But that, and uh, he's my son. <laughs> what are you doing here, Stephen? Why are you wandering past the office? Get him in. Get him in. I Number think- one. Suit up, Stephen. You're in. Stats or da- so the world's fastest skaters going. What the fuck? No, I, I mean obviously that came into consideration, but other things were factored in as well. And at this, uh, um, apparently so Stephen like, has uh, said that in there, there uh, were definitely better skaters around at the time, but the committee were looking to the future. They were thinking and so- trying to get fresh blood in, so they were. That's why they went with the young fifteen-year-old. They wanted someone who was a Scorpio, and everyone else wasn't. So yeah, Scorpio, and also yeah, the son of. Of, uh, Son old, of a Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
I don't want to go into his famous race yet. I'll talk about that later. But um, by the time of his 2002 Olympics, which is what he's most famous for in Australia anyway, I imagine our overseas listeners probably have never heard of this guy. Um, but by the time he got there in 2002, he was competing in his fourth Olympics. Wow. See, I had no idea. Yeah, so he like a long. He had a long career. He'd he'd already been uh, the nineteen uh, the world champion in the five thousand meter relay uh, in nineteen ninety one. Eleven years earlier. Wow. wow! How old was he then? Really young. Yeah, so he would have been. He was eighteen, I guess. And um, he, so he's a. I mean, you get a gold medal at the world championships. Yeah, gold medal, world champion uh, in a relay team. Uh, in that same relay event. Uh, a couple of years later, they won bronze in 93 in Beijing. And then uh, following on from that, uh, a year after that, won silver. So he's won multiple world championship medals um, before that famous Olympics. Uh, in the 1994 Olympics, Bradbury actually went into his 1,000-meter event as the favorite. Yep. Which is like, uh, I, I didn't realize. So he was... Uh, he was good. Wow. Uh in in the 1994 Olympics, uh, he won um, through to the uh, semi-final. He won his heat, got through his quarter-final. Um, so his favourite for the whole event in the semi-final, but he was knocked over by another competitor. Oh no! Finished fourth and eliminated from the event. No, because that, that's a this event. It's like it's people going really fast on these little skates. Obviously, ice is pretty other. slippery. Yeah. They're all wearing lycra. You know, everyone's hot and bothered. You get a little nudge, it's all over. Um, apart from this, his career also had some massive injury setbacks, like some full-on stuff happened. I mean, in, in uh, a 1994 World Cup event in Montreal, uh, he was involved in a collision no. and another skater's blade no. sliced no. No, no, through his no. thigh. Oh. And it cut through so deep, <gasps> and no. his blood was pumping so fast at the time that he lost four liters of oh blood. Oh my god! How do you survive that? He, apparently, he thought he's in his head. He's going, "If you if you go under, if you lose consciousness, you will not wake up again." So he's just like, "Gotta maintain." That's amazing. Consciousness. All four of his quad muscles had been sliced through, and oh he needed god, over a hundred stitches. Gross. Jesus. Took a year and a half before his leg was back to full strength. And he still wanted to skate after yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but he just, like, listening to him talk, he's just one of those fully motivated... I mean, anyone who competes at the highest level yeah. must he, be a he, bit like that or just have so much natural talent. You yeah. either, like, just got heaps and heaps of natural talent or you've just... And even then, you probably have to work pretty hard anyway. Yeah, of course. Um. Oh my! So wow, he nearly died. So yeah, that was that was one. Like there were multiple incidents, but that that was one of the most full on ones. He had another one that was pretty full on. Um, less than two years out from his famous two thousand two Olympic Games, um, he broke his neck in a training accident. Mm. Uh, another skater fell in front of him, and Bradbury tried to jump over him, Landy style. Mm. <laughs> so he uh, was inspired by Landy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, we, we did it. We, got it. we did it, everyone. We did it. But instead, he clipped him, no. very much like Landy. <laughs> he but he, he, didn't, he didn't chop him or anything. But it meant that um, uh, Bradbury fell headfirst into the barriers. Oh my god! And broke his neck, fracturing his C four and C five oh vertebra. Oh my god! Um, wow. He spent he spent six weeks in a halo brace. Have you heard of them? They're that full on. It looks like you got scaffolding around your head. That wow. Oh, so you can't yeah, move yeah. your neck yeah, at all. Yeah, exactly. Six weeks. Six weeks. 
He needed four pins uh, in his skull and screws and plates in his back and chest. Nope. What? And More he's... machine than man. And this is after that he nearly bled to death. Yeah. He's... And he still skated? Yeah, he's been oh. through three Olympics by this stage. He's getting pretty old for a skater. Like, he's probably he wasn't missed so his good. chances. All right, and this is probably his last shot. But he, last shot at being at the Olympics. He he went and I I just I listened to an interview just before and he 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 was talking about that time and he was like it was it was a tough time. He went and saw his doctor uh, and when he went and saw his doctor, <laughs> the doctor just shaking his head. The doctor said, "Oh no, no." Yeah, basically, you should never skate again. Just uh, give it away. You've had a great run, sort of thing. But this is too dangerous now. Um. And what Bradbury said uh, in this interview, he goes, so I went and saw another doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, eventually found the right doctor and he sort of <laughs> gave the him the right, right answer. Doctor the right doctor like, said, yeah, you'll be right. Thank you. That's all I needed. So this just, is... Just, just, if you're that confident, you're going to just do it. So less than a couple of years before the, two, the Olympics, he was he couldn't move, basically. So he couldn't train. It took him ages to get back to... <laughs> it just... I just I couldn't believe like I didn't know any of this stuff. I only no kn- people never talk about this. Um, that but he did it. He obviously he um he got back and he he qualified for the two thousand two Salt Lake City Olympics. Um, obviously he'd already been. This was his fourth Olympic Games. Um, and he was the oldest entrant in the competition. Wow! And given pretty much no chance of winning. About about how old is he at this stage? Uh, so in two thousand two, so he'd be twenty nine. And he's already the oldest. Yeah. In that competition. Yeah, but I don't know. That just surprises me. Yeah, that is that does seem interesting. But I mean, some sports, you know, like gymnastics. If you're 18, you're the oldest in the competition. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. depends. This must be one. It was interesting. He was also talking a lot about um, how your weight's distributed. Like speed skaters, basically just huge, muscly legs, and just trying to be pretty slim up top. It's kind of a funny. Oh wow. Yeah, so yeah you, it's sense. all the powers in the legs. You're basically up top is just keeping you balanced, but the legs is getting all the power. That makes it's sense. kind of a, I, I'd I'd hardly ever watched any. I watched a few races earlier on YouTube. It's a pretty cool looking sport. The way they move. Oh yeah, it's and cool. they just like overtaking each other and just sliding into position. It's just it's very elegant. And, mm. ha- and how far are they going? Like, is it lots? Uh, lots it depends. There's lots of different um, distances: five thousand, thousand. It's reminding me of Multiple another, thousands. another event I like watching at the Olympics, which is the cycling. Yeah, it's got oh, a little bit about that, the, just yeah, round and around the velodrome. And the tactics of, of like the team cycling when there's one in, one yeah. out, someone yeah. goes up high. I love when they go up high and, and just, and drift just around like, the they back. just watch each other and then they go, whoosh, and they go yeah. down the Around. Yeah, suddenly, it's like they're like a lion and it's prey. Yeah, like, go, it's go, go, and we're going for it. Go, 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 go. Yeah, that actually, yeah, cycling can be really fun. And that yeah. one in particular, and they've got funny names, those they cycling do, events. Yeah, I can't think good. of any. But there's that one with the bell event. And then, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's that tactical one where, yeah, you someone has to start out in front. Yeah. And then they're normally just watching over their shoulder. Yeah. And it's just like one of them will and go. Barely and moving. as soon as one of them goes, yeah, you basically. Yeah. Almost stop. Really interesting. Really it's just all tactics, all tactics, and then speed. Mm. Really, it's quite a bizarre sport that one. I reckon. Anyhow, yeah. So he was given very little chance of winning Bradbury. Obviously, you know, he was basically past it, mm-hmm. um, and missed his chances. He was he was on, at the top of his game and had a bit of bad luck. Also, had yeah. some ho- horrible injuries. Fell over when he 
was the favourite. Well, didn't fall over, was knocked over by someone else. Yeah. So that, they're the kind of annoying things. Like, oh, I mean, that wasn't even my fault, mm. really. But, oh, well. And But apparently his attitude was always positive. It just wasn't like... That's the thing about the Olympics is you miss out and it's like, well, four, four years. years. Yeah. So he's made it to Salt Lake City. Um, he won his heat convincingly in the 1,000 metres, um, which obviously is a good thing. Uh, then so gets him in through to the quarterfinals, but unfortunately he was he um, drew a, drew very poorly because it's basically it's a bit of luck as to which quarterfinal you get into, mm-hmm. and um, some people have described the group he was in uh, as the group of death. Group of death, oh no! The top two go through in the quarter uh, the quarterfinal, and he in his group he also had. Apollo Anton Ono, who was, oh, no, who no, was no. the favourite for the whole event, and also Mark Gainon, who was the defending world champion. So a couple of guns. Ono oh, and Gainon. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he had to beat at least one of them um, to go through. Do Gainon. Um, <laughs> you were thinking about that. Oh, if the name came out, I'm I like, that see is the cogs so turn. funny. How am I going to bring that in? I'm just going to say it. Do again on. <laughs> I'm just going to sledgehammer it in. Yeah, I think this is my only opportunity. I've got to go for it. I've got to put the speed skates <laughs> on. This was your Olympic Games. Yeah. And I got there, guys. I'm I got so there. Proud of you. I got the gold medal for the silliest joke. Um, Do again on. He so obviously very tough group, but he had to finish in the top two, and he didn't. He finished third oh, and, and was shit. eliminated from the Olympics again. What? Um, what? Meaning that yeah, he he didn't advance to the semi-finals. He did not collect go. I mean, Pascal, he did not collect two hundred dollars. Gain, gain, gain. Well, how do I pronounce this before? Ganon. Ganon. Oh, no, you said Ganon, but I want to say do Ganon. Ganon. Yeah, Ganon. It's G A G N O N. Gagnon. Gagnon. Let's call him Gagnon. All right. So, um, Gagnon was disqualified. Oh. <gasps> Cheating. Uh, for Drugs. obstructing another racer. Obstructing. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> got it in one. <laughs> Which meant that uh, Bradbury got called up and made it into the semi-final. What's this oh. obstructing thing? Like getting in the way? No, yeah, he just, illegally. He stopped, he, he stopped halfway through and put his hand down and went, ah, 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 ah. No. I win. Stop it. Abstraction goal attack. Yeah. That's a Someone, netball thing. Yeah. Someone comes out with a red card. Ah. Ah, 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 ah. So, so Bradbury's through. He made, made it through to the semi-final. <laughs> so he, he, and I heard him um, talking about this as well in another interview. Was like, They asked him what the best moment of his life was. And he said, obviously, uh, the birth of my child was pretty great. But the best moment of my life. <laughs> he, meant he, he was saying his own birth. I remember that. <laughs> Fuck, it was good. Fuck, it was so good. Just good. I was just out, out, of it. out like a rocket. Um, <laughs> so he... Um, I knew I was going to be fast. A he little s- gooey. He <laughs> Loved it, flopping around in the goo. He... Um, do, he go, do goo on. Do goo on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said to the doctor. As he slapped my ass. I mean, back. <laughs> oh, dear. He's yeah, so, an interesting baby. Favourite moment, his baby... His own baby's birth, but also... But also, um, on on this day, there was about half an hour between Heat's finals and, you know, they'd just go up one after the other sort of thing. And he was saying how um, in, in the room, you get about half an hour 
big chunk of that time you're re uh, sharpening your skates you got to get on the bike get your lactic acid out mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff you only really have about five minutes to sit and think and he was like in this break he he did all those things and he sat there and he's like hang on i've i've done it i've made the olympics i broke my neck less yeah. than two years ago i'd i've done it I've reached my, like, and that he reckons that was the best moment of really, his so life. This is enough. Sitting, I've just sitting it. in in the rooms or whatever, having that realization, he's just like it was the best feeling he's ever felt. That's just great. he felt like he did achieved it because you know, he, I mean, it really when the doctor's saying never skate again, he to being in the semifinals of the Olympics is like amazing. Right? He brings up the doctor and just goes, "Suck shit." <laughs> 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 Who is this? Who is this? <laughs> it's fucking Stephen Bradbury. He has to call back because he's already He has to call up. back. Sorry about that. Uh, Stephen Bradbury, by the way. Now, suck shit. Suck shit. Bradbury. <laughs> it's his war cry. I keep talking over your riffs. Sorry, yeah, you guys. do. I, yeah, I'm very good at reading. Uh, <laughs> reading what you guys are up to. And, sorry. <laughs> at, oh. Yep, I've done it again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's pretty funny. He's a baby in this uh, act out. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> good one. Good one. <laughs> Very nice. Your commentary is the best. <laughs> team effort. Team effort. So, um, uh, leading up to the semi-final, he decide he talks to his coach and he decides to change his strategy. Oh at, boy! At this stage, he sort of has realised that his speed is not quite up to the other competitors. <laughs> the event's called speed skate. <laughs> I'm not going to even skate. <laughs> I'm not going to skate. I'm not going to go fast. <laughs> I'm going to do the worm. I'm going to worm a thousand metre worm. I'm going to put my flip-flops on and I'm going to, yeah, I'm just going to change this up a little bit. I'm going to try and come last and then I'll tell everyone that that's the new event. I'm going to put salt on the ice. (laughs) I'll melt it. I'll melt this fuckers. And I'm going to swim. I'll swim my way to victory. (laughs) I'm going to melt the ice ice and I'll swim. That'll show them. I mean... I was going to say not far off, but yeah, but you were quite, like, you were quite a while off. <laughs> but it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty dramatic change. So he spoke spoke to his coach and decided, um, as his speed wasn't quite up there with him, he he was going to sit in behind the rest of the field mm-hmm. and just like follow them around, you know, <laughs> getting their slipstream sort of thing, <laughs> and pretty much just play for a crash. Crashes, collisions what? happen. <laughs> so he decided that he was going <laughs> to. No. Yeah, he was going to sit at the back. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a bit defeatist, but it, it worked. In the semi-final, he was coming last. He, f- he was following around three of the other competitors out of five, <laughs> crashed, fell over. He finished and made it through to the final. Oh, my God. That was the semi-final. In the semi-final, yeah. What? So he... Um, but what a great... Just an, I just, so, the, so he t- is it the top two go I, through again? I, top two. Top two go through and he oh. made it through. So he gets through to the final. And I'm like, it, it almost feels too good to be true. Like, you're, you've said that afterwards. Like, Surely. you know, this is my strategy. It wasn't just that you were, were the slowest. The slowest yeah. on the field. But I, I mean, you, you watch it. He's still going fast. Like, they're all going fast. Yeah, he, he's keeping up, of course. He, he, was, he was pretty much keeping up and it just sort of just falling behind him so it's like i guess yeah i guess i, I believe that wow. right so then so he's made the final he's made the olympic final when he was just he was just stoked to have made it he oh, was stoked to be in the semi that doctor is getting a lot of calls <laughs> guess what again. doc suction final <laughs> wow. um and then in the final um 
Bradbury again found himself out the back, as was his strategy. I guess it worked for him in the semi, so why <laughs> yeah, not give if, it another go? Is everyone doing that strategy? So everyone's trying to beat the back. <laughs> yeah, no one was fighting for no They're turning around, going the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> one, of them, one of them's just standing at the, the finish line, at the start line. Everyone falls over. Now's my time. <laughs> then, they, then they do a thousand metres. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> While the others are being taken up in ambulances. They're, They're just, just like, cutting each yes. other with this. Yes. Still go, but then they fall over anyway. It's just a thousand metre victory lap. <laughs> but then at the, at the final turn, they slip. That's a lot of laps. And then a kid runs on. <laughs> like a four-year-old child. Hey, he's, he's won the thousand metre gold medal. <laughs> Who is this kid? Who's this kid? The medal's too big for him. And uh, So, yes, it's the final, right? Very exciting. Salt Lake City. Beautiful place, I oh. guess. In um, I've been there. I think I drove through there. But it's in um, Utah. What's Utah? Give me two. <laughs> two. Utah meatball. <laughs> Give me two. What's that from again? Um, Point Break. Point Break. Yeah, Point that's right. Utah. It's, anyway, it's uh, Keanu Reeves. I know and Point Break, but I don't know the line. Keanu. Utah. Keanu Reeves is known as Utah because he's from Utah, and that's how people get nicknames. And the other guy, not Nick Nolte, but Who the other guy. The other guy? It's the guy, you used to have a game called Nick Nolte or... Gary Busey. Gary Busey. <laughs> and they, Gary, they, don't look, they don't look at all the same. We used to have a show where we braid mate broke uh, made-up world records, and one of them was the world's best people at telling the difference between Nick Nolte and Gary Busey. <laughs> we just showed you 10 photos, and you yell out if you think it's uh, Nick <laughs> Nolte or Gary Busey. I mean, they, they don't even look that similar. Like, if you're, if you're describing them, it's similar. Yeah, you know, they're like kind of a big, muscly sort of old guy with like sandy, wavy hair. But if you see photos, you're like, like no. clearly different people. <laughs> And then one of them was neither Nolte nor Busey. And it was a photo of this woman who'd had like um, a, a mugshot mug taken for like drunk driving or something. And she looked a lot like Gary Busey. I think I know that mugshot. Poor woman. She yeah. looks like Gary Busey. <laughs> oh, so. Anyway, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about. Oh, yeah. So the final. Oh, Bradbury. Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. So, yes, good. Um, so, it was the final, and he's using this. He's decided to go with the same strategy again. I just watched the race, so I can sort of describe it. The, the, the five of them, four so out five the front. Finalists. Five finalists. Bradby, Bradbury pretty much immediately drops out of the rear. <laughs> the, the, Tactical. We're tactically. We're assured. Uh, and the other four competitors... Um, Flying right, and they're all and they're they're getting a bit physical, but and they're rotating who's in the lead. Like it looks like it's anyone's race, pretty much of the top four. They're sort of everyone's got a, a spot out in front, oh, so and they go round and round and round and round the whole the lap after lap. It's the four up the front, Bradbury with a little bit of a gap in between. Then on the final turn, <laughs> one of them goes for a maneuver, knocks out the legs of one of the other guys. He hits the deck. Then all four in front fall <laughs> and slide out to the side. Bradbury, with a like a good beat or two, swoops through, puts his hands in the air. First ever Australian Winter Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> it's, it's I still find it unbelievable. It's amazing. Yeah, but you're right. It's it's that sweet beat where he didn't even have to. Avoid. He if he was trying no. to, if he was trying to stay, clo- if he was trying to compete with them, he would have been. Out. He probably would have been swept out too. Second place. I, I, 
I wonder how. Yeah, Fuckers, yeah. don't they get up and like the guy? Yeah, they for just it? scramble, like pretty much dive across the line. Two yeah, guys. One guy too, comes through feet first for second, and then the other guy sort of slides over. Feet first for second. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. See, that's because I obviously I remember that race, and I and it's one of the most uh, you know iconic. Australian sporting stories, but I did not know that that happened in the semi as so well. The two in a row. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I knew. I, the final was all I knew. I didn't know that he was um, the favourite years earlier. I didn't know that he'd been knocked out and then like got in because somebody got disqualified and then. Yeah, it's so like so much in. of it is drama. Amazing. It's luck, and that's not discounting all of his work. There. That's but uh, so I mean, unfair, but it, it is a lot more in perspective for me now, knowing that he'd been to three other Olympics. Yes. Yeah. That he'd been the favourite. That he'd overcome these two like life-threatening injuries. Awful injuries. In in because um, in my head, I. I think a lot of Australians who know the story just think of him as that lucky guy that was okay at ice skating and that happened to yeah. make his he's, way to the final somehow and then just just scooted through and stole the victory. He's, he's basically, yeah, he's seen as being a bit of a, a pure luck and just like he was unheard of the day before. Even though he'd won medals um, previously. It's just that, uh, winter sports aren't massive because yeah. we don't have the snow but, to But that day, he won it that day and he became, you know, a household name Yeah, you're in right. Australia he is a household name. Um, and in an interview after winning his gold, it, sort of reflecting on some of his injuries and that sort of stuff, he said, the quote of his, he said, obviously I wasn't the fastest skater. I don't think I'll take the medal as the minute and a half of the race I actually won. I'll take it as the last decade of hard slog I put in. Which is a great way to look at it. That is a great... Because I, I also remember seeing an interview, and I don't really remember exactly what he was saying, but it was sort of that thing of like... He struggled a bit with it for a while in terms of, you know, like you won by default. You only yeah. won because everybody else fell over. Like it doesn't feel like a win. But yeah, taking it for the 10 years or the, you know, the lifetime that he spent. And like all the ba- the bad luck he had when he was, he was the, best. the fastest, but he got knocked over. Like, you know, yeah, those like guys. Those yeah, I suppose the other guys have to think about that too, don't they? Yeah. Because yeah. one of them was the favourite that fell over. Yeah, totally. That's amazing. So, yeah, I love his attitude about it. Mm. I think he, and um, possibly because of that, his great attitude and the fact that it's it sort of, and it actually in Australia became a, I'm, well, I mean, we're talking to a lot of Australians <laughs> on the podcast, but it, um, mm. obviously. There are people of Sweden from all over the world. Yeah. But it, yeah, it, became, it became a um, a saying, doing a Bradbury was when you sort of just sort of fell through. The yeah. competitors fell over or, you know, something yeah. just went your way sort of and a lot of luck happened at the last minute and you just come through. Yeah. And he's he said, um, talking in, in uh, an interview, he was saying how he loves it. He loves how he's become a, sa- a saying. He feels really proud of it. Um, and yeah. he thinks, yeah, you know, he thinks he hopes people are still saying it after he dies and he thinks it's, a, it's really nice to be remembered that way. Was he on Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> Probably. Because that's the yeah. real victory. Yeah. That, did you, by default, everyone else fell over. I feel like he was he on just, Dancing with the Stars. He just did his classic worm. Yeah, I'm going to worm off I'm going to worm the way all the... That and his partner's cool. like, what are you doing? He's just worming on top of her. Ew. <laughs> yeah, that sounded way worse than I thought it would. <laughs> Don't worm on top of anybody. He now is... So he's now... He's, he's done over 800 speaking events. I was going to um, say... He was asked... He must make a, a packet doing that. Not long after, he was asked... Um, by Retrovision to speak at the Retrovision's like a it was like a TV chain stores mm-hmm. like Home yeah like electronics and stuff yeah and he was asked by them to speak at their some sort of a conference they were having um 
and he got the call and they said, yeah, we want to offer you five grand to do a 45 minute speech. And he's like, that's what I earned in the last year sort of thing. Like he, speed skating didn't pay a lot of money. So doing this one talk and because of that, he, he, um, he got the speech ready. He got the speech ready. He did about three weeks of work on it. He said he, he read it all word for word. It was all printed out. Big letters. Hello, things saying, I am Say this bit Bradbury. fast. Say yeah. this bit slower. Wow. He he hired a speechwriter, which he's worked with a lot over the years, and a, a comedian as well to throw in some humor. Great. And really, you know, just um, it's pretty like he goes, oh, "I'm going to do this seriously," but I guess that's probably how athletes work. As they go, well, if I'm going to talk, I'm going to bloody put it all in, which is great. Um, but I he 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 goes, this is like. He sounds like he's got a few elements of a little bit wankiness in it. Because, mm. I mean, he works as a motivational speaker. But he says that he doesn't like the term motivational speaker. He, he feels does. that's a little bit un-Australian, a little bit too Americanized. So he likes to call himself... Oh, no. Oh, here we go. Oh, no. <laughs> a real-life speaker. Get fucked. <laughs> Stephen, I was really impressed in the last half hour of this, but no. It just felt like real life. And then... I'm not motivated. Uh, I just feel like I've got to go back to my normal. On his little, on his gosh. website, he's got some testimonials. No, and he it, doesn't. Yeah, and um, I mean, a lot of you know, it's all fine. But this one, I I, I mean, like, let's remember he had those frosted tips, so we yeah. already knew he was a bit of a wanker. <laughs> he I, it was two thousand two. He said yeah. he said he did other things, like he just to be motivated. He um, growing up when he decided he wanted to do it, he um, post, uh, like sticky tape to his ceiling a thing saying. Uh, some something like the it's the Olympics. Get up, wow. and he said. And he said every morning he opened his eyes, he saw that, and was like, everyone else who wants to go to the Olympics is up right now. If you don't get up, they're up and they're you know they're out training wow. you right now. So just like always on. No, that's the thing. With From them, when you open your eyes up with elite athletes, they are like that. They're like, my mum uh, works with uh, a woman who played in the Olympics. She was softball for Canada. And she one time just recited this big passage of um, Bryce Courtney's "The Power of One," that like was her. It was her. It was her. It's the Olympics. Get up! You know, it was her yeah. thing that like pushed her. And I was just like, "Ah, oh, cool, man." Yeah, I wish I had that. I don't I have that. that. That's why we're comedians. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, okay, if you don't get up, there's plenty of other comedians that <laughs> yeah. will. So, but plenty of others that won't. But it will uh, <laughs> probably naturally funnier than you are anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. But I, I, like, I like some of the testimonials he's got on his site. I think he j- it looks like he just sort of cuts and pastes the whole thing. Because one of them it's got at the end. It's like, <laughs> says, all, says all this nice stuff. <laughs> and then, and then has their email. AJ7 at hotmail.com. And it, it, it'll say stuff like, um, so, you know, he's really great speaker, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> you and then uh, um, update your virus software. <laughs> <laughs> Sent from my iPhone. Got that. Yep. And Read like, it and weep. Read and weep. He calls the doctor up. Yeah, just got an email from the antivirus people, huh? Told me you'd never skate again, didn't you? <laughs> Who is this? Stop calling me. Reveal yourself. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Testimonials. So this one, like, there's you know a couple of lines that says some nice stuff, and then at the just the end of the testimonial it says, "So make sure you add his comments to your testimonials." <laughs> That's part of the testimonial. <laughs> That's part of the testimonial. So like, I reckon you could probably have... You could have got rid of that bit. Come on. But yeah. my favourite one probably of the of the ones I read... I don't even... It's not it's that good. It's just like... It's, it's, it feels like... It's what Jess would describe as cute, this whole website, I reckon. But anyway, it goes... Uh, 
I worked with Stephen Bradbury last week, full stop. <laughs> he really impressed me, full stop. Funny, comma, clean, entertaining and motivating. I checked behind his ears. Clean. <laughs> Phil Cass, comedy magician. No. Why would I describe his website as cute? It's just everything about it, like leaving in... Add this to your testimonials. That's so good. Don't you reckon oh, that's, that's great? That, am I misusing your use of cute? Yeah, but it's great. Damn it. Stephen Bradbury. You just come on, Bradbury. All right. That's awesome. Anyway, yeah, Stephen Bradbury. Good guy. There we go. There I mean, we go. Three so very different athletes. All who worked very hard. My guy, who does, um, Zatopek, who decided at the last minute to run the race and then won it. Did a Zatopek. Then we had uh, John Landy, did a Landy when he helped out his mate and yeah. still won the race. And then we had Bradbury, who tried so hard for so many years and then had a bit of luck, cruised across the line and uh, will be remembered in Australian sports history forever. Yeah. First, but they, first ever. Actually, he was the first ever, um, any, uh, v- first ever Winter Olympic gold medalist from any Southern... Hemisphere, hemisphere country, apparently. Far out. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, but I guess it's like the whole southern hemisphere isn't really into Winter Olympics, I guess. We don't have the climate for it, right? We're too gnarly. Unless you're from Antarctica, but that's not really a country, is it? We don't really have... Yeah, we don't have enough snow and... Yeah, that here. Yeah. That's why a lot of our... Um, like, gymnasts go into skiing and... Oh, the aerial skiing and... Um, right. And, yeah, we, we do tend... Australia does tend to go well at aerial skiing and yeah. sort of stuff. But it's because apparently we don't even have a mountain in Australia that's high enough to be able to host the Winter Olympics. No, yeah, we'll never have to like by nowhere near it. Yeah, we got nothing. We no. only get snow because I think of where we're positioned compared to Antarctica or something. There's some weird thing we shouldn't even get snow at all, but our snow is pretty shitty. And it's not yeah, it's pretty it's ice and it's not even like there's only a few parts of Australia that get snow. Oh. Yeah, so we won't ha- we won't host the Winter Olympics, but we're pretty sick for the summer, so come on down. Again. I think it's nearly time for Melbourne to have another go. Like, 56 was ages ago. It's a while ago. Let us have another go. I want to do it. I want the Olympics. Oh, you would be, you'd be a volunteer, wouldn't you? Um, yes. <laughs> do you reckon they'd need a stand-up comedian for the opening ceremony? There's often a space for... A, Type five set. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you could be the new Nikki Webster. She did a type five, didn't she? And then um <laughs> I was at the shops the other day. The material. I want five dollars worth of mixed lollies because <laughs> I'm a little girl and, <laughs> and that's what girls do. And it's two thousand. So you two thousand. Yeah, all right. Thank you. <laughs> and good night. What? Yeah, she was good, wasn't she? She, she was, was really good. good. Great Very value. funny. Great value. And I would volunteer the fuck out of that Olympics. Oh, you would. Oh, my God. I would do anything. I would be like ushering people to their seats, tearing tickets, no problem, handing sweaty athletes towels. There you go, Mr. Athlete. Have a towel. You look all what, sweaty. Handing them sweaty towels. There <laughs> <laughs> you go, mate. I, I said this. handing sweaty athletes towels. No, that that makes, that if you listen back, sense. I think you said handing sweaty towels, athletes. <laughs> Here you are, oh, sir. Oh, no. You look very sweaty. Can I help you get even sweatier, please? <laughs> That's a very good impression of me. That that raises a good point, Dave. Normally, the person who does a report uh, does the editing. I was. I literally. Chuck it up. Go, You thought you could do a Bradbury and sneak sneaking at the end there, but I did a Emil Zatopek and I jumped in. No, I jumped was John in. Landy, and I I was just a nice person. Yeah. Well, if you were, you'd offer to edit it. 
Oh, thanks, Jess Landy. Thank you so much. No. Well, I think we're going to have to have a discussion off mic about this, but I would like to dedicate this episode to Andrew suggested the topic of uh, a meal, and then we turned it into a meal of oh, sorts. Up, no, no, no. That was great. That no, was great. it wasn't. Uh, I'm really yeah. sorry, Emil. And I but hope that... that- very disrespectful. Hope we've got everyone else excited for the Olympics starting in a couple of days. The Winter Olympics starting in two years and two days, I guess. Olympics. I'm up for it anytime, baby. I want the Olympics to be every year. No, then it wouldn't be a special. It wouldn't be a special. <laughs> Would not. Let's make them every ten. No, no, no. <laughs> Once More a century. Special. Once a century, you may never <laughs> see one. Only like every fifth generation gets to actually compete. Oh. Now that's special. Now that's special. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, get the fuck out of here. Let's get out of here. But uh, before we get out of here, we've got to tell you. Email us in some topic ideas. We Andrew got on. How about you? What are you waiting for? Get on the email. Dogoonepod at gmail.com. Or get on Twitter. At Dogoonepod. Or Facebook us. Or comment or message us. Dogoonepod is the page you search for on Twitter. Get in contact. Do your thing. Five-star review. Be an Olympic legend and give us a five-star review. Dare to dream. Just dare to dream. How needy do you have to be to do a podcast? Hey, can you please give us a five-star review? Oh, just contact us. And... Now, speaking of rev- reviews and sport, I've been, uh, what happens is, I don't know if you guys know, when you go on your iTunes, it just goes to whatever country you're in. So when we go on ours, we can mainly just see the Australian reviews. But I found a way that we can check. Oh, I didn't know that. We can check it. Yeah, so... We've got reviews from around the world, New Zealand, Canada, what? the UK, That's America, cool. there's a bunch of reviews. And the way, what happens is I found a way, someone's put it online, that you can just change the, the code so it says .us or whatever. And you can see the top, the first three, the most three, you can see the three most recent reviews from that country. And in Canada, I would just like to say, if you are listening and you did this review, hats off to you because it was very funny. They wrote, if this podcast was a person... He or she would be super funny and smart, but wouldn't be able to throw a ball. <laughs> Which I totally agree with. So thank you so much. And that was a five-star review. So Why do you agree that it's funny and smart? Yes, I do. <laughs> and I also can't fucking throw a ball. Uh, so if you want to... Unless it's a, like a fancy dress ball, and then he's all about the decoration. And throwing it down the stairs. <laughs> Uh, but if, yeah, if you want to give us a sweet review, that would be absolutely amazing. Whatever country you're in, hmm. and uh, chucking on our chins, and if they're funny, they make us laugh as well. But until next week, we're going to leave it there, and I will say to you: enjoy the Olympics. A couple of weeks of good times coming your way, and the Paralympics coming up in September. Enjoy that. But until next week, I say a goodbye. Oh, haters. Dare to dream. <laughs> Dare to dream. It's really beautiful. It's beautiful, Jack. Thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.